0: Okay, happy. Oh, hey, who's that? Happy Wednesday, everyone. Um, this week's parsha class is parshas vayishlach. Parshas vayishlach. Um, in a nutshell, the parsha talks about the epic meeting between Yaakov and um Yaakov and Esav. So we, the arc. Um, rivals, Yaakov and Esav, the the big our as Jewish people our big nemesis, um, physically and spiritually. I'm sorry, I forgot to mute everyone. I will do it right now. Um, feel free to unmute yourself if you have any questions. Um, so we have the meaning of Yaakov and Esav, um which takes up a big chunk of the parsha. The next big chunk of the parsha talks about the story with Shechem and Dina. Dina gets abducted by Shechem. Shechem is the son of the uh, um, king. I don't know how you would translate that in English. She was the, the king or perhaps I would call him a tribal leader based on what they were doing in, in that city. Um, it was more like a tribe than a kingdom. The 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 rest of the parsha talks about all of the children of esav and grandchildren and great-grandchildren and it actually goes to great length to go going through every single one of the children by name and a huge uh, 30 uh 30, 30 verses um more more than 30 verses um, close to forty-three verses, um, talking about the the children of Esau and Esau's descendants. And there is a whole. Um, that's basically the general outline of the portion of the Torah portion. So we're gonna focus, Parsha class this week, primarily on the meeting between Yaakov and Esau and the great significance of this meeting. So in the beginning of the parasha, it says, Yaakov, malachim. Yaakov sends, sends it's a, there's two opinions. Either he sends angels or he sends messengers to of his brother. He's coming back from the house of Lavan. For all of those who were following last week's parsha class, or maybe not, I wasn't here last week. But for all of those who studied the Torah portion last week, Yaakov was in the land of Lavan for 21 years 21 years he was there he was had a dual um purpose to his mission one part of his mission was to to get married and have build a family which he did very well and the other part of his mission was to run away from asav which apparently since he was still alive he also did very well so he did accomplish his mission now after 21 years he's coming back home to Eretz Yisrael, to the land of Israel. Now what happens is, he needs to pass through the land of Seir. He needs to pass through um, Asav's land. So he's trying to make peace with his brother Asav. So he sends messengers to find out, perhaps after 21 years, Asav's anger um, abated slowly. And maybe he's not as upset at him. So he sends messengers, and we find out, that at least in the physical realm of things, he sends the messengers to find out if he's upset at at him, and he finds out that, yes, indeed, he's upset at him. Not only is he still upset at him, but he's actually coming out, charging towards him with a huge army of soldiers, according to the different midrashim, either 400 men, 400 soldiers, or 400 generals, each of them in charge of 400 soldiers. So he had a large uh, contingent over there, a large uh, uh, army. Rabbi, had Joseph been born yet? Yes, Joseph. So you bring up a very important point, which hopefully we'll touch on later. Joseph had been born, but his younger brother Benjamin, so he was he hadn't been born yet. So the youngest right. one of the had not been born yet. But so he had eleven boys. Dina, Dina was the daughter. She was already born, and but Benjamin was not born yet. But Yosef is the one who gave Yaakov the strength to fight Esau, right? Yes, yes. So, so you, yeah, very good, very good. So I think we talked about that even last last year, I should say. There's a whole discussion about Yosef's role. Yosef was basically Yaakov Basically, Joseph Lahava. Yaakov was like a a fire and Yosef is like the flame and the whole house of Esav is referred to as a big house of straw and with one little flame you can blow the whole you can, you can burn out straw very quickly and there's a whole discussion about that. Um, very good point. Um, I'm not going to get into that, but that is a very important point. One of the, the main reasons why Yaakov was now felt confident to come back and meet Esav was because Yosef was born. That is correct. Okay. So Yaakov, we find, a very interesting thing about Yaakov. Yaakov is always caught up in fights. As soon as he's created, even within his mother's stomach, he's busy fighting with Esav. Then as he gets older, He's always constantly fighting with Azov. Gets in a fight with him about the birthright. He gets in the fight with him about the blessings. He comes here, he's in a fight. He's busy fighting, not, not in a bad way per se, but in a realistic reality. Um, he was busy fighting with on for 21 years about and trying to trick him many, many times over. So we don't find this type of fighting or disagreements or haggling by any of the other ones, any of the other patriarchs. So, by Abraham, by Avram and by Yitzchak, by Isaac, we don't find such a an issue of of busy with disagreements and fighting all day. So, what what happened with Yaakov? What happened with Jacob? With Yaakov, that all of a sudden. Here he has all of these issues. He keeps on bumping into issues. His whole life, he's busy bumping into these different issues. With, with Lavan, with, 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 with he keeps on bumping into these issues and fighting with everyone. What, what's, what's going on over here? Okay. The, furthermore, I think we can ask is that what is the significance of recounting every single detail of this story? We have a story of the meaning of Yaakov and Esav. The Torah could have repeated it over in two verses. Yaakov met Esav. Um, Esav tried to kill him. Hashem made a miracle. He didn't kill him. They lived happily ever after. And the Torah, however, goes through a whole detailed description of what happened. Met him and he was he, he sent presents and he was scared of it of of Esau and he dove to Hashem and back and forth the whole thing and he meets the angel the ministering angel of Asav which in case you no know, you're not familiar with this the administering angel of Esau, um doubles as or triples doubles as the satan or as the Yitzhara, they're all the same angel, the same angel that is in control of Asav, is the same angel that is the evil inclination, Yetzir Hara, same ev- angel that is the Satan this is all the same um, negative force, so to speak in the spiritual world and he meets him at night, in the middle of the night, and he's fighting with him and he strikes him on his hip and his hips gets dislodged and, and, and we, we can't eat we can't a from the sciatic nerve even to this day, be of an animal because of this story. And uh, why is like He meets him and he hugs him and this and he kisses him and all. What, what is the significance of all this stuff, all these details? And, and another thing I wanted to ask was if you look in the verse, it says, um. In verse 12, verse 12, so it's chapter 32, verse 12, Lamed Bez Yud Bez. He says, He Yosef is da I'm sorry, not Yosef. Yaakov is davening to Hashem. What does Yaakov say? Hatsileni na save me, please. Miyad Achi from my brother, Miyad Esav, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Asa. Ki anechi, and I'm scared of because maybe he'll kill us. What's the significance of the of Ahi, the hand of my brother, and Miyad Esav, from the hand of Esav? The Torah could have just said, Miyad Achi Esav, from the hand of my brother Esav, or Miyad Esav. The Torah doesn't even have to say that he's my brother. The Torah is highlighting here that Miyad Achi, Miyad Esav. It seems like there's two parts over here. Ya- Yaakov was nervous and scared of two different elements of his brother one his brother and the other part the fact that he was Asaph we have many different uh, questions right? and really in essence we can we can really um, expound on one basic theme that will really tie everything together and all of the questions I think will be answered um, by default automatically um, as we go through the the issues with this theme. So, the theme is like this. There is a, a famous fundamental concept that is talked about from in the, throughout the whole safe of righteous throughout the whole um, book of Genesis. The whole book of Genesis, the whole book of righteous. we find this concept in many of the commentaries, this com- this concept is called Maisa Avis Simon Lebona. Maisa Avis means the the stories or the 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 things that the patriarchs had to go through or went through. The different stories, the different uh, situations that they went through. simon Lebona is a simon is gives us an idea of what their descendants, their children and grandchildren, will go through in the future, or um in 2023 much of it is in the past but at that time myself the the situations that the patriarchs went through simon the bottom um show us all the different things that their children went through some of their children can refer to the generation of the jews in the desert some of that um goes to the to the temples and that era and and some of it extends to to life in america 2023 so much of it has has passed already but we still live in we still live in the future considering that in the year 1948 when abraham was born we are we were in the future and everything that we lived through as a people the last two thousand years was in the future from the times of the Torah. So with this concept in our hands, in our back pockets, we can now understand the whole theme of this week's Torah portion. Why does the Torah highlight every single detail of the story? Well, clearly it's going to symbolize or it signifies something important for us to take with us in the future. This is the theme of the whole book of Bereishis. So there's clearly something the Torah is trying to tell us that we can learn from these pesukim. Now, as a complete aside, there's another answer to this question, which I'm going to mention um, parenthetically. The Ramban says something very interesting. The Ramban says, right? is we all familiar with the Ramban. Um, he lived around eight hundred years ago. He wrote Rabbi Moshe, Rabbi Nachman. Uh, is it? Um, Rabbi, I'm sorry, Rabbi Moshe Ben um Ben Am um, Nachman. He he says something beautiful. He says that. The reason, one of the reasons why the Torah is highlighting this whole story is to show us that even though um, Esau was coming to to attack him and Esau had this huge army and Yaakov was this one single person with a bunch of little kids and little family going around, um, Hashem still went out of his way to make a miracle to save him, to show us how dear and how special Sadiqim are in the eyes of Hashem that Hashem goes out of His way to save and help Sadiqim help righteous people parenthetically, that's what the Ramban says, so this is one reason why the Torah highlights this but we're going to focus on a completely different idea we're going to start off with a question and this is a question I'm going to ask the floor I'm going to take it to you guys. Let's see if anyone knows the answer to this question. Okay. We all know that the Jews went into exile. Okay, Does anyone know how long the exile of Gullah Mitzrayim? God tells Abraham, God tells Avram, your children will get the Torah, etc. But first they're going to have to go into exile. They don't know how long that exile was supposed to be. Not how long it was, how long was it supposed to be? No, not a, no one knows. They don't know how long it was, the exile in Egypt, in actuality. So the, the exile in Egypt, in actuality, was 210 years. 210 years off. But if you look in the parish, it says that he was supposed to, they were supposed to go to Nagalas the exile for 400 years. 400 years. So what happened? 400 and 210 do not equal each other. They're not the same, right? It's 190 years off. Right? Did I do the math correct? 190 years off. So what happened? What happened? How were we? How did we merit to shave off one hundred ninety years? So there's a whole discussion of exactly how it worked. The, the exile of Egypt perhaps was more was was it was more painful and 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 and, and, and torturous than, than it was supposed to be. So it was like almost like double. But the the idea is that the Torah tells us and the, the commentators tell us that the numbers of years started way earlier started when started when Isaac, when Yitzchak was born, the day Yitzchak was born, the year Yitzchak was born, to the year the Jews left Egypt equal exactly 400 so the Jews left Egypt exactly 400 years after Isaac was, was born, so the obvious question is, I think um, why is that considered exile? Why is that considered gallows? Why is that considered exile? So, the commentary is like this really, really, Yaakov's whole life and really kind of the beginning of the exile really started with Yaakov's. Exile. Yaakov, as soon as he took the brachos away from, from, from Esav, he went into exile. And really, that's when the exile started. The exile started when Jacob, when Yaakov ran away to the house of Lavan. So he's by Lavan's house. He's in a foreign land. He's getting tricked all day. He doesn't have anyone to go to. He's in confusion. And he's getting tricked all day, and he and his wife uh, he gets messed up with his first wife, got the wrong girl, and then the second wife, and then he's stuck there from working for many years. Whole, and, and he's in Gallus, and then he bumps into Aesop now. And he's, he's scared stiff from Aesop. This is really the start of the Gallus, and then and then next week's parish, Yosef gets uh, um, t- taken down to Egypt, and his whole life was one long exile. So the four hundred years really starts by this last week when when Yose, when when Yaakov runs away to to Lavan. So the Chavetz Chaim asks, famous Chavetz Chaim, holy Chavetz Chaim asks, why why did we have to go to Egypt? Why couldn't Hashem just didn't done have done the four hundred years in 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 Lavan's city where Lavan was living? Why did we have to go to Egypt? What was the purpose of us having to return from Lavan's place and then come back to Israel, come back to Israel, and then go to exile in Egypt? What was wrong with being exiled over there in in Lavan's place? So we're going to take this question and we're going to use this as a springboard to to the main theme tonight. So there's a beautiful thought from the Nesivah Shalom. Nesivah Shalom is the famous um, rabbi, Rebbe of, of uh, Slalom. He was the Slalom Rebbe. He was one of the great thinkers of previous generation. And he says like this. Lavan represents the midah or the character trait of kefira, of literally translating it as heresy. Lavan represents the idea of arguing and with everything, of taking all black and white things and making everything gray, everything confused, everything iffy. Lavan. Um, was the master of that. Lavan took a very clear, crisp um, promise of giving Yaakov Rachel, katana. I want Rachel. I want Rachel, who is your daughter. Rachel, who is your younger daughter. And still Lavan managed to make a confusion and sneak in the wrong one. Lavan is all about Confusion taking things that are very clear and confusing them and trickery. Um, Yaakov says, Okay, this time you're gonna pay me with speckled sheep, and then Lovin says, Oh, no, I didn't mean speckled sheep, I mean uh, striped sheep. And next week, Yaakov says, Striped sheep, okay, fine, and then all the sheep become striped, and then Lovin says, No, I didn't really mean striped, I meant that he has this ability. His character trait was taking things that were clear, taking things that were crisp, taking things that were black and white, and making confusion out of them. confusing everyone. Then is in essence the 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 in essence, the meat of the character trait behind fear or behind heresy is really is confusion. He's saying no. No, not necessarily. Not necessarily is there a God in this world. Not necessarily. And as long as you can't prove it 100%, no, it doesn't have to be. And that is the the essence of the character trait. That's the essence of Lava. Okay? 21 years, Yaakov lived with Love One second. Yaakov managed to come out of the house of Laban spiritually completely untouched. He came out. He was rock solid in his belief in Hashem. He wasn't budged. Esav was a whole different whole different personality. He didn't have this intellectual um um um, manipulating way of dealing with people, trying to manipulate people out of things. He wasn't a con artist like Lavon was. Who was Asav? Asav was a guy who had, in Hebrew, we call it tivers. He had inclinations. He was. He had lust. He was, he had. He craved honor, and he craved uh, all these different things. And his desires, his natural materialistic desires, got the better of him on any given in any given moment, and he had no control over his materialistic desires. That is the character trait, the mida of Asa. So, in in the world of Lavan, we dealt with that already. That's over. That Yaakov accomplished, he accomplished what he needed to accomplish. He proved that Hashem he was good. But now he's coming to deal with Asaph, not only in a physical way, but in a spiritual way. In a spiritual way, he's dealing with Esav. Now he has a whole different animal to deal with. He has to deal with, 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 uh, with fighting with the evil inclination to do bad things just because they're exciting and they're enticing. Not this intellectual idea of denying God. That was that's over. He did that already. Now he believes in God. Yeah, Asaf believed in God. I believe God created the world. I just don't care. I believe God is the creator of the world, right? I don't care. This is exciting. I enjoy this. This makes me feel good. This looks good. That's Asaf. So says the of Shalom. That in the character trait of Asaf, you have two, and he explains this in in two or three different ways. And if we have time, I'll go through each way clearly. But he explains that there's two elements to this character trait of Esau. In the first way, he explains it, he says like this. He says there's two elements to this character flaw, so to speak, of Esau. On the one hand, like we said before in the verse... And this is how he explains the verse. save me, achi It doesn't refer to the physical achi, my brother, and the physical esav, my brother, esav. Rather, it's referring to the spiritual version. achi, from my brother, spiritual element. We're going to get to in a second. Miyad the spiritual element of esav. So what's the spiritual element of achi, my brother, and the spiritual element of esav? Says the Nesiva When we have something that we want to do, not everything that is bad or that corrupts us or that changes us or pushes us away from God is an explicit sin in the Torah. There are many things that we can do that are totally kosher, yet they are not healthy for us in a spiritual way. And just simple examples, this is a, a, a concept famously known as a novel versus a Torah. A, a, uh, uh, I don't know how to translate the word clearly in English, but a despised person with permission of the Torah. That is the the loose translation, or a sick person with permission of the Torah. So now, what does that mean? That's the trans that's the, the Ramam's version of what we're going to discuss. So now if a person goes and 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 uh, does an explicit sin in the Torah, that's clearly against the Torah's wishes. That clearly lowers yourself in a spiritual way. However, there are many things in the Torah that I'm sorry, many things that are not in the Torah that will push you and lead you astray. And the classic example in a very general term, in, in very general terms, I'm sorry, is overindulgence in anything materialistic. Anything that's over... If we overindulge in anything materialistic, we get too caught up and too stuck up into, into things, then those things lead us farther away from Hashem. And those things lead us astray. So we can technically live our whole lives stuffing our face with kosher food and e- eating to our heart's content and we can... Um, any other example of other things you want to insert yourself. You can use your imagination. And we can live our whole lives doing whatever you want, right? A person can be a complete alcoholic, never says it in the Torah you're not allowed to be an alcoholic. I mean, it does say that you have to watch your life, and being an alcoholic is probably not... So maybe not literally, maybe literally, technically, it says it in the Torah, you shouldn't be an alcoholic. But as, a, as an example, um, right? a person can, can get drunk every night and, and live the high life and who knows what, and it's all with the permission of the Torah. Yet, it's, I think some of them at least are self-understood, that these are going to lead you astray. And they're going to lead you towards, first of all, towards um, just negative behavior. And it, it more specifically, well, these things will lead you directly to the doorstep of sin. So this says the Nesiv Shalom is what Yaakov was referring to. Hatsilenina save me from, my, from Esav. What's Esav? Esav refers to the bad. The one who doesn't care about Hashem. He's doing sins. He's doing sins. That's, that's one part of it. The other part Hatzilenina miyad achi, from my brother, so to speak. Things that are not bad. Things that are not clearly usher. Things that are not clearly prohibited. Things that look kosher. And our kosher, says Yaakov, save me not only from the things that are clearly evil and clearly bad, but even from the things that are kosher but are bad. Those things are equally as important, and if not, more important. And I, th- I think we can read the verse and we'll see it's probably more important because who, which, which um, thing did Yosef, did Yaakov put first? First he said, na First, he put, save me from the element of the things that are kosher. Because those are much easier to fall into. It's much easier to fall into that trap. Because there's no clear, explicit sin. It's much easier to fall into that trap. So first thing he davens for, the first thing he prays for is save me from the kosher things that are not so kosher. And then save me from the things that are explicitly not kosher. Those are a little bit less difficult. Sorry, there's a little bit easier to, to to hold back from sometimes because we know that we're doing the wrong thing. That is the first, first idea. Then he says another beautiful thought. It says like this. The element of achi, the element of of, of being connected and being friendly, Achi, and the element of Asav, of the enemy, the nemesis. These two elements play a role in our lives. And this is what we said before the mice of sim the bottom. What happened way back when in the times of Yaakov and in the times of Asav, these are Simon the Bonim. It's a sign that shows us what we're going to go through today who's Esav Esav is the bad guy Esav is the pogroms Esav is the terrorist attacks Esav is Hashem Yaakov is Hashem. please save me and my children from Esav from the nemesis from our arch- rival from our enemy from the Spanish Inquisitions, from the Holocausts, from all of the other terrible calamities that will happen through the throughout the Jewish history, from the ghettos, from all of these things. Save me, save me, save us. These are so important. We shouldn't lose hope. We shouldn't lose our, our, our Jewish identity. We shouldn't throw in the towel. We shouldn't give up. But then Yaakov also asks, for save me from my brother. Who's the brother? Brotherly love. There's another part of our long, bitter exile that does not consist of pogroms and terrorist attacks and holocausts. And we've said this so many times over the past couple of years. It just comes out over here as well. Sometimes the big and perhaps the biggest um, tragedy of the exile is not the programs and not the Holocaust. Sometimes the biggest tragedies are when we are in peace and we are accepted among the the, the nations. And we have, when we are accepted and we have too much um, acceptance and everyone's happy to have us join them, then we risk the greatest risk of all. We risk our entire Jewish identity, our entire Jewish identity to the issue of assimilation, which we are all too familiar with in the 21st century, where how many people in, in America and throughout the world are completely lost to intermarriage. Intermarriage is a, an issue that has been um, created or at least developed by the, by the culture around the, around the world that we are all welcoming and accepting they are all welcoming and accepting of the Jewish people. When the Jewish people lived, I'm not saying it's a good thing, but when the Jewish people lived in the ghettos, and they lived in isolation, and the non-Jews spat at them, and the non-Jews tortured them, the non-Jews didn't marry them, and we didn't lose our Jewish identity. So there's two elements there. There's that slain inami hat Aesop, save me, us from the, the, the bad... Ace of the terrible tragedies and and save us from all the terrible things that will happen to us and how terrible the lives of the Jews throughout the generations will be. Please save us from that, but also save us from the open arms, the welcoming, opening arms that is equally as as dangerous. And that is the second idea that the Nesivah Shalom. Use explains, um, derives from this passage, from these, these these verses, that when the epic meeting between Yaakov and Esau, there's these undercurrent, these underlying um, ideas that are... Um, may I... Yep, go for it. May I, may I say something? This is Sarah. Um, Esau Krohn, I won't... Hi, I won't say it now because it's too long, but he told this amazing story, and... Um, It's exactly what you're talking about. He said, "Sometimes they kill us with a sword, and sometimes with a smile." Here you go, beautiful. Glad you shared that. Amazing. We could coin. I'm sure he did it. We could coin that term, right? Sometimes they kill us with a sword. Sometimes they kill us with a smile. Nice, nice uh, one-liner to put it to put. I'll I'll tell you I'll tell you the the background story sometime when you, when you have time. Sometimes, sometimes. So I thought that yeah. was, was the, amazing. It, yeah, okay. and that is amazing. So that's that's the second theme, and he's not the only one who says this. Obviously, this is a very um, pretty famous concept. Um, it's brought down from the base of Levi, I think, as well. Others also. And then the third idea which he brings out. On well, this, I'm just going to mute you because it's the background noise um, um, the third idea is like this before a person does a sin versus after a person does a sin okay those are two lives a person can be very very um, um, he live a whole life doing sins Right? A person cannot completely unobservant live his whole life doing different things co- contrary to what the Torah wants. And then a person break tries to break away from that and tries to do teshuva, tries to re- come closer to Hashem. Or just a one time thing. A person doesn't sin one time. Same idea. There's two elements one is Achi and one is Asav says the Nisayin Shalom, when a person is faced with a Nisayin, with a test, he has a sin in front of him, he's, he's looks, looking at something, and he's saying, oh, I wish I could do this certain thing, whatever it is, let's use a very user-friendly example, even though I hate when people use this example, a person is about to say a juicy piece of gossip, a juicy piece of Lashon Hara, and he's faced with this, this Nisayin, this test, of saying over this piece of lashon hara, he should look at this sin, at this lashon hara, as Asav, as his nemesis, as evil, evil thing. You should look at it and says, "What am I? Who am I? I am a spark that was." pulled out from directly connected to God's heavenly throne. My neshama, my holy, holy neshama was pulled out directly from the highest, highest levels. Directly under God's heavenly throne. I, the my holy neshama, I should take my neshama and spray paint it with black spray paint and take my neshama and Stick it into the sewer system. That's what I could do with to my neshama This is terrible. This is the worst possible thing I could do. That's a person's that's what a person's thought process should be. Before he does sin. That's Asa. Asa represents this. It should be my enemy. I should look at this. I should look at this sin and say, Ugh, It's my enemy. Get out of here. Go away from me. But after a person does sin, he should look at himself. Not the sin, obviously. But he should look at himself as I, myself, am still holy. I am still connected to Hashem. Let me not despair and think that now God doesn't want me anymore. God doesn't want me to repent. Like the Ramam says, the Ramam says that after a person does an Avera, he is still loved by Hashem. He's oh, he's a Nachmar, Hashem loves you still. And you should realize that even after you do a sin, Hashem loves you still. Now, all the more so. Hashem loves you so much. All the more so, He wants you to still stay with Him. And He wants you to come back to Him. That's the element of Achi, says the Nisivah so we have this el- element of Asav before sin. We should look at the sin as, as I can't do this. But after sin, it's, oh, Hashem still wants me close. And what does es- Asav do? Asav tries to do the exact opposite. Asav tries to do the exact opposite. He the evil inclination. He does the exact opposite. What does he do? He takes you before the sin. He says, oh, this sin is so beautiful. It's going to make you feel so good. I'm your friend. It's going to make you feel so good. Do this. Everyone's going to be so excited to hear what you have to say. Everyone's going to become your friends. And he makes it all exciting and all pacing. And He takes the achi aspect, the friendly aspect, and he uses that to manipulate you to do the sin. And then after you do the sin, you know what the answer does? He says, Asa. He says, you... You that did such a sin, you think God wants you now to stand up in prayer? <laughs> you think God wants you to, to, to make a blessing on your bread now? I think God wants you to put on foot? You know what you did? You know what you have in your head? You know what you've done in the past? God doesn't want you. Give up! Throw in the towel just go and do more sins. So the Yitzhahara, the evil inclination, puts everything completely backwards. He takes the achi and he puts the achi first. Before the sin, it makes it all exciting. I'm your friend. It takes the of, the nemesis, the rival, the enemy. And it's after you do the sin. Eh, Hashem doesn't want me anymore. But the reality is the exact opposite. If only we were to look at all the sins as our enemies... Then we would be so, we would be able to hold ourselves back and be able to control ourselves from sin. And if only after we do sin, we would look at ourselves as still being so pure and still being loved by Hashem. And we would only be able to look at ourselves like that. We would realize and we would recognize and Hashem is always waiting for us, Hashem is always yearning for us to come closer. And the more we blemish ourselves, the more it makes Hashem cry, the more, not literally, but the more it makes Hashem feel, oh, my children have fallen even further. I wish they would come back And He's always there to help us. He's always there to save us. Alrighty, I think that'll do it for tonight. Have a wonderful Shabbos, everyone.